Welcome to Daily Bible Reading Notes from Valley Chapel Community Church, where we seek to learn the whole counsel of God's Word. I'm your host, Pastor Michael Rowe. This is the posting for February 6, 2024. This morning, I found a small oil leak under my washing machine. It's not the end of the world. It may be an easy fix. Something you look at and say, bummer. Some things aren't so easy to fix, though. A burst pipe in your home could mean costly repairs and weeks of significant disruption to your family. Still not a cause for despair, though. It is fixable. You can get through it. If you told a friend about it, they might say, that's unfortunate. But what if you lose your home in a fire? Or what if your friend is diagnosed with an aggressive cancer? What if there is no fix? What if it isn't just unfortunate, but final? How do we make sense of it all? Today's reading also seems hard to make sense of at first. What are we to make of the cleanliness codes of Leviticus 13 and 14? Is this just about hygiene? Are these some sort of ancient building code? To a certain extent, those concerns are present. In His wisdom and mercy, God gives Israel instructions here on how to deal with the disease and decay that seem inescapable in a fallen and death-filled world. But these aren't just clinical procedures or dry building codes for enforcement. The human element is captured here in full force as well. The repeated diagnosis hits hard in chapter 13. Quote, He shall pronounce him unclean. End quote. Leviticus 13.3, verse 8, 11, 14, etc. You would shudder to hear those words in ancient Israel. Because unclean didn't mean go wash your hands. To be unclean meant to be religiously or ceremonially unclean. It meant a person was barred from the community. This could be short-term isolation, Leviticus 13 verse 4. But if the condition was chronic, like leprosy, it meant you were an outcast, possibly for life, Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. Imagine the dread of having to cover your face, shouting, unclean, unclean, and living your days outside the camp, Leviticus 13, 46. Similarly, decay or uncleanness in the home could also be a small fix, Leviticus 14, 39 through 42, or a full-on red tag demolition, Leviticus 14, 43 through 45. Think of standing by as your home is reduced to rubble. Against the backdrop of these broken bodies and homes, one verse stands out sharply. Look at Leviticus 14.34. You may have missed it in the introduction to diseased homes, but among the instructions of chapter 13 and 14, this one statement is meant to be noticed and considered closely. God says, quote, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land of your possession. Leviticus 14.34 Did you catch that? I put a mark of leprosy. The wordplay is striking here. God uses the same word for give back to back. He will give them Canaan as a possession. And it is God who gives the case of wasting disease in a home. It could not be more clear. God says that the mark of leprosy that may leave your home condemned is given by him. Then the instructions continue on as if nothing significant was just stated. But I believe we are intended to stop and think about this one phrase. This isn't a fluke or a footnote, but a feature of our text. 
It's one of those places in the Bible where God means for the text to worry at us, like a pebble stuck inside a shoe. So what do we learn here? When we stop and think about God's statement in the context of disease and decay, we see that whether it is in the small inconveniences of a broken washing machine or in the life-altering diagnosis of a chronic illness, all things come from the hand of our sovereign God. We have biblical warrant to read the lesser to the greater here. In other words, if God gives the decay requiring an easy fix, he also gives the disease that ends with us flatlining in the hospital. The Bible is very clear on this. As God explained to the second generation of Israel, quote, See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Deuteronomy 32:39. The scriptures are clear. God gives life, and God takes it away. God is sovereign over life, death, and everything in between. So how should we respond to this? We have a good example in another saint to receive such painful gifts from God's hand. Job knew the physical torment of boils, the searing loss of his children, the destruction of his property, and the shameful existence of an outcast thrown to the ash heap and insulted by his friends. How did he respond when his wife told him to throw this gift back in God's face? Job 2 verse 9. Listen to his response. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? Job 2 verse 10. In faith, we must accept that the adversity we experience in life is actually given to us by our God. We won't always know the reason why. God doesn't explain it in Leviticus, and Job never found out this side of heaven either. But when we remember that the hand giving such trials belongs to the same God who took on flesh, was treated as unclean, scorned as an outcast, and who outside the camp, Hebrews 13:11, had his hands nailed to a cross to cleanse us from our sin and shame, then that makes all the difference. We can trust Him. We can wait upon Him. And looking to our eternal inheritance, we can live rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and devoted to prayer. Romans 12, verse 12.